These males are called silverbacks because of the silver stripe that develop on their backs when they mature. The oldest males of the group are at least 12 years old. These troops also include several younger males, adult and juvenile females and infants. In addition to providing protection to group members, silverbacks maintain order and decide all activities within their troop. They schedule feeding trips resting time. Tap in. Tap, tap, tap in. Once again, I think it's about that time. Yes. I love making this type of magic. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your boys. We're back. It's episode 46. I want to thank everyone that listens. I want to thank everyone that supports. Well, we want to thank everyone that listens, everyone that supports. Yes. Because this... We're here for y'all, like preach, bro. Y'all, y'all, y'all keep us going, man. Right. Like all the amazing comments and just the love and support. Y'all keep us going, and that's what it's about because we're really trying to make this change to let people know. Listen, we're human. We're we carry this badge of honor. We do the job that we are supposed to get done. We love you. We appreciate you. Listen. We, we want to spark change. And the only way we can do that is by your support as well. So we're doing what we got to do. And um, with no further ado, it's episode 46. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody's doing well. It's your boy Big H. I got my brother Dre. What up? I want to give a shout out to uh, episode 23, Caribbean Tiger. He had a hard week, just to say the least. <laughs> He'll be in here. He's going to talk about what we what he went through. But he's all right. Everything Gucci. It's a special shout out because not only is he a fellow brother, but he does the job every day, every, all day. And he does it well. Does it well. And he faced adversity that no officer wants to face. But when it comes time, when it's go time, when it's go time, he instantaneously got to his training, got in the firefight, and survived to talk about it. There was something you said. You said when it's go time. We have the perfect person tonight to talk about it. But we're Speaking gonna talk of go about, time, yes. Yeah, we're going to talk about go time. Tonight's, we're going to talk about go time. Tonight's theme is going to be that when it's time to go. When it's go time, the green light, that's when your trainer kicks in. That's when your inner Sparta kicks in. If you was in the, the movie 300, that's when your expertise prevailed. Yeah, it ain't about looking good. It ain't about talking. Nah. Yeah, yeah, I did this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, nah, nah. When it's go time. What kind of warrior are you? We got an expert in here who's going to talk about go time. An expert. Triple C, can I get another bomb, please? Oh, yeah. Because we, the gentleman we have tonight is a specialist at what he does. 
Got years on. He's going to talk a lot about a go moments. What? That, that he, he prevailed from. Right. Thank Listen, God. police, I hate to toot our horn, but we are amazing, amazing people. I toot it for y'all, bro. We have the sickness, bro. It is a sickness. We run to it. It's like <laughs> your gangsters run away from it. We run to it. They they do the shooting and, and then they run away. Right. You know that morning when he called me? I was upset that I wasn't there. Mm. I wanted to be there. Absolutely. To be with our brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you call me, I want to be there. Absolutely. That I want to be there. I get excited. I don't want to get a funk. I want to be there. Right. It's a different mindset. A hundred percent. It's a different mindset. And we don't get the respect that we deserve. And it's time that we start getting the respect. It really is. Here's the thing that we're, we're the, our population, first responders, Yeah, we're very nice. We're very caring. And then it's been all these years, all this time, we have been taken advantage of. And it's frowned upon if we got to turn into that gorilla when it's time to and do gorilla things. We don't want that because we specialize in violence. But we, we, we point our violence towards the bad. It's professional violence that has to be conducted Preach, facing the adversary. Preach, There's no other way around it. Come on, man. We don't want to hurt good people. What people say, the guy's right there with the gun. We going to chase him to get the gun. You're not going to do it. How do you think we're going to get that gun off that individual? You think, he's, you think he's willingly going to say, hey, guess what? I got a gun on me. Especially a gun. That's a hot commodity. Come on, on man. That's, that's worth more than gold on the street. Do you, you know, know how that? many hats we got to wear in this job? Do you not understand the things that we go through mentally that we don't even get help with? And it's sad because in most cases, if you do speak up, they're going to find a way to get rid of you. Why? They're going to say you won't fit. Who goes through 20 years, 25 years of daily trauma 24-7? Like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. And then we got to turn around and smile in everybody's face and but, deal with it. But they're so quick to be like, oh, police officers, first responders have the highest rate in divorce. Yeah. What do you think? Well, well, yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because no one's helping us. And we, have, we don't have any other mechanisms to cope besides working out and like drinking. And drinking. I'm not going to build a boat in a bottle. That's not me. <laughs> I'll do that when I'm like 80. Right. But listen. But yeah, let's get into I it. I hate to start it off like that, but you know, it's just, you know, my brother went through it this week and God bless him. He got through that fire fight. No, we had to put that up there. Absolutely. Early. But uh, he's getting, he prevailed and he's going to talk about it once he's uh, healthy and uh, mentally he's focused and, and back to his norm. But uh, love you, bro. And uh, we was with you this week, and we're going to come see you again this week. But uh, it's real stuff, people. You, you got you to gotta understand this. This you know, Serving this purpose is fun. We enjoy it. But when it's time, when it's go time, you got to understand we, we have to turn into a different person. Right. It serves a purpose, trust me. But listen, let's get into it, episode 46. What's that website? Listen. What's that website you keep looking at? I keep seeing you. You're always on it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> don't forget about the website to get the merch. www.silverbackchronicles.com. We have all your latest gear. 
hoodies, beanies, scullies, hats, trucker hats. We got a new color that just came out for the hoodies, too. Don't even tell them about it. We're not going to say nothing yet. T-shirts. T-shirts. Patrol officers love them. It's amazing. Breathable. And we're giving you discount. Like, come on now. Come on, man. We're giving you a discount. You're looking fly off of work. Right. Looking grown and gorgeous. You're looking fly off duty. Absolutely. <laughs> but shout out to our website www.silverbackchronicles.com Please go on there Browse You can see a little bit about our story You can see pictures of us We just had to, we, we had to entertain And we had to give you the real And there's nothing like the, the, the our vision And what's being brought to the podcast world It's never been done like we're doing it And that's just the super fact right there 100% fact You know what I mean and uh, also a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Starbucks USA. Like we said, go out there, get that. We see it in every episode, twenty percent, twenty percent. Don't forget the Silverback. Crime, I'm sorry, Silverback Podcast is the uh, what you call it? Twenty percent discount code. Yeah, that's the code, all caps. Silverback Podcast gets twenty percent off. Put your handgun in there and uh, enjoy yourself. TSA approved, so you can fly the way you want to fly, baby. Yeah, you know what I mean, Jelly Bean. They'll take care of you. Right. Triple C, you got anything? No, we good. Dre, you got anything? Nada. All right. With no further ado, we about to get in this. My peoples, we have a phenomenal guest tonight. I'm proud of this man. We finally got him. We got him tonight. Yeah, we were trying to get this guy. We were trying to get him for a minute. But we got him. With no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my brother Ray is in the building. What's up, baby? Good evening, good evening. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. Outstanding. Glad you can make it. We appreciate you. Pleasure's mine. So please, Mr. Ray, introduce yourself. Where you born, Where are you from? Born and raised? Uh, born and raised, Hartford County. Hartford County. Uh, in my uh, teenage years, grew up in Essex. Nice. And uh, graduated from a Votech school down there and uh, ended up uh, buying a house later on in Hartford County. I've been in Hartford County since. Nice. So that's Hartford County, Maryland. So he's yeah. he's a Maryland guy. <laughs> Definitely a Maryland guy. All the way. Nice. So, play any sports in school growing I up? I played lacrosse. How was that? It was fun. It was fun because you got to chase people around and beat them with sticks. How about you know? that? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't frowned upon, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know why lacrosse like, never made it up to like New York City. New York is huge. It, you know what? Is it's, it? It's huge. It must be like recent. Nah. Nah, nah. nah. Lacrosse really? is big. New York yeah. is big. Maryland and New York are where everybody recruits. Bro. Nah, son. Nah, everybody, everybody goes. Maryland like, and New York. What? Yeah. And Stony, really? and Stony yes. Brook? Uh, lacrosse is huge for the guys. Stony Brook had a lot of good parties. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> my, <laughs> man, uh, my man, Ray Dowertees, all those guys. Right. They were in Stony Brook. Oh, he's a Sea Wolf, huh? Yeah, he went there. Nice. Shout out to my Stony Brook alumni. I appreciate you. But uh, Mr. Ray, so uh, lacrosse, huh? Yep. Amazing sport. Yep. Nice contact. Yep. I loved it. I uh, only played one year because I was more interested in uh, getting a job and making money. Hey, ain't nothing wrong Smart with that. Smart man. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So at the high school, what you what you embark on? What was your, what was your loves? Um, what was your likes? Well, you know, I was into uh, the hair bands back then. Oh, shit. You know, that... Okay. Uh, you know that hanging out with the guys. Nice. You know, you had the mullet. Oh, you know this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Business nice. in the front, party in the back. All day. <laughs> Always. All day. Okay. If I had here, that's what I would be rocking right now. Word. Hey, uh, you know, you remember Brian Bosworth? Yeah. From yeah. Seattle Seahawks? Yeah. That was me, man. Had the okay. tips frosted up top. Had Ooh. the perm in the back. Yeah, yeah shave on the sides. Okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, into having a good time, but uh, never messed around with uh, any weed or anything like that. Drink, right. you know, but, uh, you know, always cutting up with the guys. There you go. Yep. Just like to have fun. That's it. Nothing, don't we all? Yep. All right. So, so, so let's get serious now. So, uh, when law enforcement came about, what, what, what led you to it? And was it something that you always wanted to do? So it's kind of funny because my dad was in law enforcement. Nice. And, um, he where, was, where, where was that at? Uh, he was an arson investigator for the, uh, state fire marshal's office. Really? Yep. Nice. Yep. Um, and and back then, when I was growing up, it's like it wasn't cool to have any parents in law enforcement, mm. you know. So, kind of threw him some shade, you know. And if he came home, he sometimes he'd bring home a marked car, mm-hmm. and I'd be a little embarrassed about it, you really? know. Would you? Yeah, yeah. Only because well, I'd, I'd get some ribbon from my friends. Yeah, during those times, you know, because they'd automatically say you're a narc guess, or whatever. Guess, you know what I mean? The hate was real. History repeats itself, I guess. Yeah. Because it's unpopular now for like for that to happen. That shit is yeah. awesome. I would have loved that. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but then after graduating high school and uh, going out into the real life and working, I had one of my good friends get into state police. Okay. And uh, he started, he was kicking ass, doing good. MSP. And then MSP. And had another friend of mine. So, you know, we, there was four of us that grew up together. Another friend of mine, two years later, he gets in. Mm. And every day I'm calling, what'd you get into? What'd you get into? And he's talking about stolen vehicles, talking about getting guns, because he was working Golden Ring Barracks. So he's yeah. working the Beltway, 795, yeah. all that. And, uh, and then he talked to me, and I got to do a ride-along with him. Mm. And first ride-along I got to go on with him was at night. And not knowing anything about anything, I was scared to death. Mm-hmm. Nighttime. You don't know who you're stopping. Oh, yeah. You know? And it it was, it was scary, you know? And, uh, but you know, I was riding along with him and we were working the West side. We stopped the car around security Boulevard on the outer loop. And, uh, he's like, come on, you walk up the car with me. Mm. All right. You know, (laughs) I know you like Eddie of mine, man. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm like, you got a gun. I can, you know, (laughs) (laughs) can can you spare one for me? Exactly. So, you know, walk up and I'll never forget it. It was a uh, light green 300Z mm. guy with his date and the guy was drunk. Guy reached over for the glove compartment to get the registration and there's a bag of weed. Oh, wow. My partner doesn't see it because he's okay. on the driver's side. Right. And he's probably about six one. So, you know, it's, it's hard enough to bend over to talk to the guy. But, you know, here I am watching his hands and all and. We get back to the car. I said, hey, man, you want a drug arrest? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, there's a bag of weed in the, in the glove compartment. And uh, so ended up not only getting a drunk driver, but also getting a bag of weed. His girlfriend had to get a, a ride from the boatway, you know, had to call somebody out to come pick her up. But What year was this? Like, this, was, this was 1995. So nice. weed was definitely. This was 1995. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I was hooked. After I was that. I was hooked. Yeah. So that was in 95, 96. I got in the academy. Wow. And uh started July first. And uh it, it was it showed me a whole nother way of life. Because before that, 
I was a blue collar worker. You know, I went to work five days a week, seven to four thirty, running machines, you know, uh, measuring things with tools, you know, turning wrenches. I, I was getting my hands dirty every day. Mm-hmm. And all I really knew about law enforcement was maybe a little bit I saw on cops, mm-hmm. but living vicariously through my buddies, you know, and that night I got hooked, you know, I got in the Academy and, uh, I believe it was August of 96. Um, and I'm sure both, you know, but I'm not sure about the listeners if they know, but the state police is the only Academy you have to live in for six months. Yeah. Right. You live there Monday through Friday. Right. And, um, so you're basically fair game 24, seven sometimes, but 24, five <laughs> meaning two o'clock in the morning, empty garbage can go down a hallway from one of the instructors. Everybody's up doing physical training, PT, you know, they'll put you to bed all sweaty, mm. you know, wake you up two hours later, PT time to run, you know, and, and wow. going off track a little bit, the instructors are trying to do everything they can to get you to quit. And mm-hmm. in, in a way it doesn't make sense if you think about it, because You've got the background investigation they did on you. How many hours did that take? Man hours, the psychological evaluation. How much did that cost? You know, how much it cost for the background? How much did it cost for a psychological test? How much did it cost for uh, all the other checks? If you lived out of state, we've got yeah. to get help from out of state. You know what I mean? It could be a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, absolutely. The, the initial investment is, is pretty pricey. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and here they are trying to get you to quit. Right. It, it's, it's a head game, but... If they can get you to quit there by making you wake up early or making you PT or making you do this or do that, then they're going to save somebody else's life on the road. Because if you don't have what it takes to stick it out in the academy, then you're most likely going to give up on the side of the road. Absolutely. You know? And it's like, so that mindset, I had to get into it, you know? And weed, weed them out early. Weed them out early. And Absolutely. It, it, it works some. But I'm a huge like fan of that. There's a couple slip through every cat. It happens. But um, getting back to August of 96, we got woken up at about two o'clock in the morning. Um, Trooper Mike Hughes got shot on Long Bar Harbor Court, mm. which is only seven or eight miles from here, if that. And I was living in Hartford County, Maryland, two miles from where it happened. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sitting on a bus with all of my comrades and we're on the way out to help search crime scene and i'm like somebody just got shot wearing the same uniform i'm i'm i want to wear right you know but it's like that didn't deter me any and if anything that made me want to try to find what would what was going to link the suspect to the actual crime Mm. you know um he ended up surviving um that was a, a real crazy story about what happened to him but um, it's 26 weeks, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, PT, a lot of academics, uh, so much physical, you know, hands-on, um, officer safety, you know, driving firearms and, and they're just jamming everything down your throat. But, um, it, it was amazing because every one of our instructors just loved the job and you could tell they loved what they do because they wanted us to be able to protect ourselves and our partners. So they, they took it very seriously. Um, but it, it, it's, it flew by, but it was the longest six months of my life. I believe it. You know, um, but it's, it, it's definitely not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But for people who want to 
I don't want to be cliches, but kind of live life on the edge. Right. 99% of the time, and I'm sure both of you, well, I don't know with work at Bomber City, but 99% of the time, it's kind of boring. It, it's complacency. You're doing it's pretty much the same stuff all the time. But then that 1%, it's balls to the wall. You know, Kicks it's off. it's running and gunning. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be finding a load of dope in a car or you could be handling a fatal accident. You know, it, it's so many different extremes. I got to ask you, like, I'm a car guy. Tell me about, like, the car, the driving techniques. Tell me about, like, did you have any crazy car chases? Well. (laughs) Because cars is, like, the thing for me. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, we had, uh, in the summers, we had, uh, because I worked Interstate 95 for most of my career. Towards the top or the bottom, like? From the Delaware line down to the Baltimore City line. Oh, oh nice. Nice. Like in the so middle. Baltimore, like top and like central. Yep. Baltimore, Hartford, Cecil County. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Which is like a lot of traffic. Oh, it's, right. th- that's it. Non-stop. Yeah. That's the, that's all it. the drugs. But that's that's what I enjoyed to where, you know, they want you to go out and write tickets, you know, and warnings or whatever. Uh, but it's more, it's a proactive type of police work. It's not reactive. And I've worked at both. Uh, reactive, I'm talking about like a full service barrack. Bel Air Barrack here in Hartford County, Northeast Barrack, Cecil County, uh, Westminster Barrack, Carroll County, where they alternate their 911 calls with sheriff's office. So you go to a domestic, you can go to an armed robbery, you can write a ticket in between there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But working at like Golden Ring Barrack or the Highway Barrack uh, up on Interstate 95, your main thing is traffic safety, you know, uh, investigating traffic accidents. But also you have to generate your own work too. You know, as far as stopping a vehicle uh, and then you run the driver through uh, the database and they come back wanted, you know, you get a criminal arrest for that. Or you stop a car, maybe they stopped too fast and a gun was underneath the seat and it slid out because they stopped too fast. Right. You see it, see it in plain view, you know. So that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed stopping the cars, searching them, you know, uh, getting criminals off the road, you know. Um, I always put my uniform on every shift saying somebody's ass going to jail today. Nice. You know, um, it, and it was exciting. It was exciting. You know, I wasn't just handling calls. You know, I was, I was doing my own, my right. own thing. And, um, it, it was very rewarding. Um, some of the most interesting chases I had with motorcycles up on Interstate 95. Really? Motorcycles? Oh, man. Greek week. You heard of it up Ooh, in Philly? Of course. So Saturday mornings, Saturday oh. afternoons, there'd be packs of crotch rockets going north, northbound, you know, and nine one one's blowing up. Because all the citizens are calling, oh, these motorcycles are passing us, doing 100, so-and-so, blah, blah, Well, I remember one night, uh, there was a bunch of us that uh, were out there waiting just for them to come back south. And uh, <laughs> Like what time? What year? This was, like, oh, like shoot, this was probably around 99, 98. This was a, okay. this was a while ago. So uh, we had a couple troopers up north in Cecil County. They spotted them, whole group, like 30 of them coming down, just – Weaving in and out of traffic, passing people on the shoulders. So we got Hartford County, and there's about six of us. So we started doing a traffic drag. And what that is, is you get troopers, they'll start straddling all the lanes, and they'll start with the speed limit, and then they'll slow down almost to about five miles an hour. Wow. So we figure if we did that, then that's going to make all the motorcycles go up the shoulders. When we start seeing them go up the shoulders, we'll just have cars come out on the shoulder and stop. So it's almost like a roadblock. And uh, I was smart 
one night I had actually put my car in for service for the next day for an oil change. So I grabbed a spare car. So mm. I had a feeling my car was going to get jacked up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my own car getting Absolutely. messed up, Absolutely, you know? somebody else's. Got to work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. So here they come. They're weaving out of traffic. And uh, I see one of my one of my brothers. They're trying to get one guy. He's got his arm out the window of his cruiser, his left hand on the shoulder, right shoulder of one of the motorcycle guys that was trying to pass him. And was able to get him down off his bike. Bike was stolen. I see a guy behind me and I'm trying to counter his moves, watching him in a rearview mirror. And when I felt it was safe to do it, hit my brakes and he nailed the back of my car and flipped up on my trunk. His bike was stolen and up blocking him up. And we ended up got like six other bikes that were mm. stolen. Nobody was hurt that night. So, um, other than the vehicle I was driving, got a little hurt, but, uh, there you guys were, got a pursuit policy. So you're good. You know what? I, it has changed since I left, mm-hmm. and I believe uh, it, it's a lot more restricted now. I'm sure it is. It's a lot more restricted. Uh, beforehand, uh, when when I was working the road, it was yeah, it was pretty lax. Yeah. It, it was pretty lax. Um, I've been in a pursuit where I actually called it off myself. It, it came off 95, drove through this area, went down to Balmer City, and once we were started going through neighborhoods, I, I called it off because it was a Sunday. Two o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. you know, I can see a kid just running out chasing oh, a ball. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't want to deal with that, right. you know. Um, but you know, I've I've had them run on me when I'm I'm doing 130 miles an hour down 95. I, I'm pushing as fast as I can go, and they just turn around, and look at me, and just hit fourth or fifth gear and just take off. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it's nothing to do. You know, 200 on the bike on the no, motorcycle. It's nothing. Not a, nope. Not it's at all. Easy. It's it's a game. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. Um, I've had a couple. I had a chase one night, and it was actually, I don't know if you guys want to talk about it now, but the night I got hurt. Um, it wasn't a very long chase, but uh, what had happened was I was working night shift up on 95 and saw a Toyota Camry go by with no tag light. That's my bread and butter out there. You know, no tag light? Yeah. Most people don't even realize it. They have no clue. Most could people. You, could you please explain how important it is to have a tag light? What's that? Could you please explain how important it is sure. to have a yeah. tag light? The, the tag light, you know, it lights up the tag so the police officer can see it at night. And, and not only that, but even if you take the police officer out of it, let's say there's a hit and run accident and you're out to dinner with your wife and you're going to get into your car and you see a hit and run happen and there's no tag light on the suspect vehicle, then how are you going to give the tag number to the police to go look for it? Right. You know what I mean? Uh, most people that I stop. Ordinary citizens, oh, thank you, Trooper. I didn't realize it. You know, I'd get them out of the car, say, hey, look, you know, this is why I stopped you. Right. You know, I always like to, if I can, show the person why I stopped them. That way they don't think I stopped for no reason at all, you know. So pulled out on this Toyota Camry, followed them in the Hartford County, and uh, stopped it and walked up on the passenger side. I always walked up on the passenger side of the vehicle. Um, going back to... Back in 95, when I did that ride along with my buddy, you being scared doing traffic stops at night, it's like, it's totally flipped. It's like, I'd much rather do traffic stops at night. It's a lot more safer right. for, the, for the officer, I believe. Uh, the passenger side approach, it's a lot more safer for the officer to walk up on the passenger side. You, you see a lot of more of the vehicle, mm-hmm. you know? Not only that, but the occupants, the driver, they're always expecting to walk up on the driver's side. Right. You know? So, it gives you more time to take in the whole situation you know, try to figure out what you're doing and who you're dealing with. So 
I walk up on this Camry and, you know, this was back in 2003. Uh, cell phones were starting to get pretty popular. Mm-hmm. There were like four cell phones in the center console. Roll a gray duct tape on the floor in the back. Some air fresheners. Stuff that I'm looking for that being by itself doesn't mean anything. Right. But put all together. Then I'm thinking maybe something's going on. Elements to the right. Uh, reasonable, articulable suspicion. That's you know, RAS. That's it. Uh, the keys are in the ignition, so I'm not thinking the car's stolen. Two guys in there. Rolled the window down. Hey, I'm Trooper Bond, Maryland State Police. You're being audited and visually recorded. I need to see your license registration. And the driver's like, I don't have any ID on me. So okay. So I said to the pastor, you got any ID on you? Nope. So right then and there, I split them up. Because a lot of times when people are in the midst of criminal activity, they're not going to give you the real name and their stories are going to be messed up if there's at least two of them together. So first thing I'm going to do is split them up. Are you by yourself? Or I'm you- by myself. Mm. By myself. And it's probably about seven o'clock in November. It's pitch dark. So it's know? dark. Yeah. So uh, long story short, the driver gives me, gives me a couple false names. Ran him through the system, nothing on file. I mean, he's probably about 26 years old, so I know he's got a license. I fear he's suspended at this point because he doesn't want to give me his false name. He might have a warrant for his arrest, right? So call for backup. Backup trooper shows up. I say, hey, look, I'm going to lock up the driver. He's giving me a couple false names. Uh, the vehicle allegedly belonged to the girlfriend of the passenger, and... I had gotten her name and telephone number because I was going to have the bearer call to see if they had permission to have the car. and Because uh, it could be an unauthorized use. It could be authorized use. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, their story was messed up too. And uh, so I went to put the handcuffs on the driver. I had him at the trunk of his vehicle in between my cruiser and his vehicle. And I got my cuffs out. And I look at the passenger and I see the passenger reaching underneath the seat like he's reaching for a gun. Sean like, like, of like, a person. Like, like you'd see in the movies. Absolutely. You know? Hair stands up on the back of my neck. Of course. And it distracts me. So I leave the driver. Didn't even put the handcuffs on him because I want to go to the threat. This guy's going to try to shoot me or my partner. I'm going for him, right? See his hands reaching. Yep. I've already patted the driver down. So I know he, he I did a preliminary pat down. So I know he didn't have anything on his waistband. So I went to the door, and as I grabbed the door, the passenger heard me, and he turned and looked at me, and he got like the deer headlight look. And I, I opened the door. I just pulled him out and threw him on the ground. And as I'm doing that, the driver starts running back to the door, the driver's door of the Toyota Camry, and he's yelling, hey, I got my ID. It's in the car. I'm like, get the fuck back at the trunk. Get the fuck back at the trunk. That's all I kept saying. And... My partner comes over. He puts his uh, knee on the guy's back that I got down on the ground. I ran around to the driver. Got the door open, and the driver sits in the car, and he's trying to reach underneath his seat. I assume he's going for a weapon, but assuming can get you a lawsuit. Absolutely. So, you know, my training, knowledge, experience, I want to see the weapon, you know, before I take any type of deadly force action. Right. So I'm pulling on him in a headlock and I got grabbed a hold of his shirt and I'm trying to pull him away from the weapon. I'm trying to pull him out of the car and we're right next to the slow lane on interstate 95. Uh, not, not that there's really a slow lane, <laughs> but it's still the damn but, highway. Yeah. Tractor trailers right. going by us always. So I've got that in the back of my mind. You know, I've got this guy trying to reach for a gun. I'm worried about my partner over there. And I was like, I just, 
staying a task at hand, what I got my hands on. So I'm trying to pull him out. I can't pull him out. So he puts the car in drive and hits the gas, and I've still got him in a headlock. So he drags me not very far, maybe 10 feet. But by that point, the B pillar, which is where the seatbelt's connected to up near the driver's left ear, that slams on my right forearm, and I break grip. And he takes off, and he almost gets T-boned by a tractor trailer because he pulls right out in the interstate. Mm. So I look over, and my partner has got the passenger handcuffed on the ground. He yells he's good, so I get back in my car, and I start chasing him. And I've still got a visual on him, and I'm calling the barrack, letting them know what's going on. And he takes the very next exit off Interstate 95, which is toward Tavity Grace, Route 155. And uh, unbeknownst to me, our... Um, PCO, police communications operator, who runs our tags and runs people's uh, warrant checks, stuff like that. Right. She, she ran the tag one number off or one letter off. The car was stolen. It was 1099. Mm. Had no idea. Or the traffic stop would have been totally different. Absolutely. Right? So I'm chasing him. He go, drives up a couple miles. I'm chasing him. We're hitting close to triple digits. And I don't know why. I, I assume he looked in his rearview mirror because all of a sudden I just see him start spinning in the middle of 155 and he crosses over the southbound lane and crashes up into the woods. So I pull over, I got my floodlights on him and I, I've got a visual on him. I'm telling the barrack where we're at and that he's crashing the woods and that I'm going on foot after him. So at this point we have in-car video cameras and I'm thinking if I turn my, my car off, it's going to kill the battery between my strobe lights going, the video camera going all that. So I always kept a spare key on my gun belt so I got out, I left the car running, locked the car, and by the time I got out and locked the door, the suspect jumped over the trunk of his vehicle because he wrecked into the woods. He couldn't go towards the front, so he got out, jumped over the back of the car, and ran into the woods that way. So being November, you know, you had the dry leaves and the sticks, and you, I could hear him running. You could hear his footsteps. So I'm in the woods after him, got my gun out. I'm yelling, stay police, stop, stay police, stop, and nothing. And all of a sudden, it got quiet. And I'm like, I started looking around, and there were backyards. It was a small strip of woods. It was maybe 10 or 15 yards wide, but it was probably about 50 yards long, and it ran parallel to the road. And so I figured, well, he probably hit the grass, and he's probably hitting a residence. He's going to try to, you know, shake a door, try to find an unlocked door and hide in the house. So I started knocking on doors. Hey, if you see this guy, he's wearing a yellow polo shirt, blue jeans. He's about this tall. Call 911. So I got the cavalry coming. You know, they're coming for me. And all of a sudden, I hear a gunshot. And I'm like, what in the world was that? And I'm thinking, well, there's there's cornfields around, you know, rednecks. Maybe they're out spotlighting deer, Mm -hmm. you know, looking for deer, shine a light on them, shoot them. Well, one of my uh, partners, actually the guy that uh, backed me up out on the stop, someone had picked a prisoner up. So my partner come up to me. His name's John. Uh, John met me on a side street that ran parallel to the road that uh, he had wrecked off of. And uh, he's like, uh, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I told him. I said, I've, I've checked every residence, but this one, I'm going to hit that one. Then I'll meet you up in my car. He's like, all right. I said, man, I heard a gunshot. I said, not that it means anything, but it's probably just somebody jack lighting deer or whatever. He's like, okay. So I checked this last house, and then I went up through the woods where I came and I'm looking around and my car's gone. Oh yeah. No way. How? 
Remember that gun that I told you I didn't see underneath the seat? Oh, he bust the window out. Oh, he shot the window out. And got in, got in your patrol car and, and got took it back off. Of there. He double backed <laughs> on you. Double so, back. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I got a story about that, too. So, so the plot thickens. Plot thickens. So here I am standing there. And I'm like, man, I've got my radio on my shoulder. I'm like, how am I going to call the barrack and not sound stupid on the radio? Right, you know, right. it's a brand new car. Had 2,000 miles on it, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm anal about my car. Absolutely. You know, I'm like, shit. So then I started thinking, he's going to carjack somebody. He's going to stop somebody. Somebody thinks you're getting pulled over. It's not going to be a whatever. long ride. No. So I'm like, God damn. So I called the barrack on the radio. Hey, suspect has my vehicle. And they didn't believe me. They asked me to repeat my my transmission like three times. So then I, I really started hearing the sirens coming then. And uh, so what had happened was he stole my car and he drove up 155 north. And when he hit Route 22, he made a left and then made a very his very first right on Grafton Lane. And he abandoned my car in a cornfield. Mm. Strobe lights still going. And there's a farmhouse there. He does a home invasion, kidnaps a homeowner gunpoint. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. It gets better. So, tells a homeowner, you're driving. You need to get me back to Philadelphia. As long as you can get me to Philadelphia, I won't kill you. Wow. So, the homeowner's in the driver's seat, bad guy's in the passenger seat with a gun pointed at him the whole time. So, they drive down 22 to Interstate 95, and right at the interchange is an Aberdeen police officer there on a traffic stop. You know? Homeowner, smart. He throws the truck in park, runs over to the police officer. Hey, help, I've been carjacked, blah, 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 blah. The bad guy gets in the driver's seat and takes off in his truck and goes north on 95. What? Meanwhile, everybody's still looking for my car. Right. There are deputies, sheriff's deputies, God bless them, stopping other troopers because they think it's my car because the last thing anybody heard was suspect has my vehicle and he's right. driving around with his lights on. Well, all the other troopers are driving with their Red and blues on. Uh, trying yeah, to get they, to my seat. cold one trying to find you. Exactly, car. yeah. It was a cluster. But I'll tell you what, man, my partner, John, who was with me through everything that night, while he was helping set up a perimeter, he was on his own cell phone calling Baltimore County Police, all the precincts, Hartford County, telling them all the details about everything. So they had as much information and detailed information as possible. Um, my bear got... Uh, Aviation, state police aviation up. Nice. So Trooper One, the name of the helicopter mm-hmm. at Martin's Airport was coming up. Meanwhile, bad guys in the in the stolen truck going north on ninety five, and he takes the very next exit, which is the same exit we were on. That we that he crashed his car. He shot the window out of my patrol car. Dummy. Patrol car. He goes south. Right. Uh-huh. We're north. So he goes up in the neighborhood up Lapham Road, and he's like he knows he needs to get rid of that truck because people are looking for him. So he sees a Pat's pizza delivery guy, carjacks him, stuffs him in the drunk, trunk of his Geo Metro. Wow. Kidnaps him, drives him to Philadelphia. So he stole my cell phone out of my cruiser, and he also had the pizza guy's cell phone. He told the pizza guy, say, uh, I'm getting out. You count to 100, and then you can get out. So he counted to 100, pizza guy did, and then once he hit 100, he got out, you know, called 911. There was so much going on that night, you know, because they were looking for my car. They were going for uh, this truck, you right. know, the, and they didn't realize that the two were connected. Trooper one, the helicopter actually found my car because they were flying up to us and saw this cruiser sitting in the middle of a cornfield with the strobes going. 
Um, but two days later, the marshals were able to, to track the guy down and, and get him. He, they pinged the f- cell phones wow. and, and they caught him. And, uh, so the story is, is the two guys I stopped in a stolen vehicle for tag light out on interstate 95 were part of a drug trafficking organization. Mm, gotcha. I stopped them on a Saturday, three days before I stopped them. It was a Wednesday. They were ordered to drive to New Jersey to kill a rival drug dealer. So they stole a car, drove out to Camden, New Jersey, kicked the door in. Drug dealer wasn't there. The target was not there, but the target's girlfriend and six-month-old baby were. Wow. So they pistol whip the mom, knock her unconscious, kidnap the six-month-old baby, and take the baby back to Philadelphia to, to prove that they went out there. Yeah. So the kingpin is like, I don't want anything to do with the baby. Get rid of the baby. So they wrapped the baby in a jacket. Drove a couple blocks, put the baby on a street corner of Philadelphia and drove off a couple blocks and then set the stolen car on fire. No way. Yeah, baby was fine. Baby was safe. But the driver left one of his cell phones. Remember I told you that car had like six cell phones in there. Left one of his cell phones in a pocket. The Almost the exact time I'm on the side of Interstate 95 with two, these two outstanding citizens, the FBI are putting them into NCIC for being wanted for this kidnapping and home invasion and assault. Mm. Right. But it just, it didn't, the timing. It clicked fast enough. Right, right, right. So they were on their way to Baltimore to cool, let things cool off because they knew the feds were looking for them for that home invasion and kidnapping and assault. They were also wanted for a murder as well that they found out about. So, uh, and you're talking about the guy doubling back around on me. During the interrogation, after all this settled down, he had been arrested. Uh, a couple of our detectives went up, interviewed him. He's the guy said that I walked right by him in the woods. He just hid behind a tree. He just stayed shut. He, he yeah. And the the detective was like, "Why didn't you just shoot and kill him?" And the guy was like, "I just want to get away. I was scared." And it's like you know, you don't know how many nine lives you have. You know how many times you know. Wow. There are times when you're on the job and you know you almost got killed. You know, you almost got you run over it. or maybe someone patted somebody down. They missed a weapon, but you found it. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of those times like, man, I, besides almost getting hit, you know, when he was dragging me and, and, you know, traffic coming, but he could have shot and killed me that night. Yeah, he just wanted to get away. Yeah. Yep. These guys, the criminals, they, for the most part, like I would say 90% of them, they just want to get away. They just want to get away. And I'll I tell you what, I, I tell people this sometimes. I, I think that one of the reasons, and, and I, I might be going out on a limb, but I think one of the reasons was because I don't think he killed me because I treated him like a human being. Mm. I knew he was a dirtball on the side of 95. I knew it. Right. You know, he's giving me these different names. I know he's a dirtball. But you know what? He's like, I'm like, sir, look, I'm still calling him sir. You know what I mean? It's a game. Yeah. It's a cat it's, and mouse it's, game. It's a cat. There's going to be day, more days that they win than we do. Yeah. It but just we, comes with the territory. But when we do, I don't take it personal. When I got right. you, I got you. Right. It, it, exactly. That's it. I can't tell you how many felons I, I, I've locked up for how much dope on 95 or uh, domestic assaults where guys have beat their girlfriend up or the wife. And they're sitting in handcuffs in the front seat of my car because that's, that's where state police put their people in the front seat of the cruiser. Why is that? We don't have cages. We don't have cages, but it's also easier to keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. 
really? and watch what they're doing. Yeah. But handcuffed to the front? No, 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 no. Never. Oh, to the back. To the back. They yeah. just sit in the front okay. seat. Yep. Yep. Um, how, how many felons I had, you know, say, you know, I've never been treated this way before. I'm like, hey, man, I don't take it personal. It's my job. You know, if you're going to be a man, I'm going to treat you like a man. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're going to be an asshole, I'm going to treat you like an asshole. And we talk about that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really think that because I wasn't disrespectful towards them, you know, it's, it's not part of my job to be disrespectful to anybody. Right, like you didn't call him a bitch. So now he's like, now you're walking by, he's hiding behind a tree. He's like, yeah, he called me a bitch, so I'm going to shoot him. Because hey, you were respectful. I I honestly think that's one of the reasons why. Amazing. You know? But, you know, I could be wrong. But all I know is he had the opportunity. He had the opportunity. You know, he could have shot and killed me. What You know, if he's willing to shoot the window out of a marked Maryland State Police cruiser and steal it, and do everything else he did that night, two kidnappings, home invasion. Why didn't he just? He was he was one of her murderers as well. Why would he just put I mean, one he, in the back of my head? He well, wasn't a killer because he, he wasn't cold, well. He wasn't cold blooded. Right, cold blooded. He he had killed the 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 child. He had killed the homeowner. Took right. his car. Yeah. He had killed the pizza delivery kid. Right. Took the Geo Metro. Right. He wasn't cold blooded. And there's, there's different types of killers, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's, unfortunately. The, it's the world that we live in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he just, he wasn't stone cold. He was probably just trying to get some money. He just want he probably for the bag. All right, whatever. But he was going to kill a dude if he was home if now. If he had to, yeah. If the dude was I, there, I'm pretty sure they killed him because he beat up his girl. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yep. they didn't harm the child. That that goes to show you that there's, there's still some humane in that individual. Right, right. But if he's Stone Cold, I mean, whatever he... T- Stone Cold would have been a different story. Different, different ball yeah. game. Yep. But wow. That is an amazing story. That was, it was crazy. Cause That's I, intense, I, man. I, I've got, uh, you know, partners, other troopers I knew uh, who had to retire, you know, on a medical because, you know, they lifted up a spare tire and blew their bicep. Right. You know, and I, I bust his balls all the time. Like, man, come on, get out of here! You know, you getting that check every month for that? Right. You need to start hitting the gym more. Absolutely, right. you know, un- until your shit shows up on, in the Baltimore Sun and on the internet, right? Then come talk to me. You know, Absolutely. just busting his balls a little bit. You know, <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, yeah, but I miss it. I miss, I miss the running and gunning. I miss the camaraderie. Right, there's nothing like it. But I don't miss the bullshit that the men and women are dealing with today. No. Real quick, like, how was the camaraderie like? It was it was unbelievable. I mean, it's, as much love that there is, no matter what uniform you wore, we still knew we still bled the same way. Absolutely. And even if I never met you before, I'm taking a bullet for you. hundred no, percent. Whatever. That's just how we operate. But, you know, on the same note, you better be able to take a joke because poli- oh, yeah. police have a sense of humor I've never seen before. A hundred percent. You yeah. know, I mean, I've, I've seen some some crazy things, you know. Um, I just told a story the other day about a time when um, I did a stint up in Cecil County working up there. And uh, this was back in 2003. And uh, we still used Polaroid cameras back then for evidence. Ooh. You know, take, <laughs> take it now. Wow. Shake it. Right. Yeah. Shake it like I'm a Polaroid sure picture, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, that is. Man, I, I took a, uh, a, a report for a, uh, an assault and a destruction of property. And. Uh, I took some pictures of the vehicle that was damaged, the uh, the weapon that was used, and then the the the, the suspect and the uh, victim. And uh, 
put my report in a nice little folder and uh you know i had been typing up my report working on it i had my camera out and all this and then i got sent to another call and i was at the barrack in the troopers room doing all this mm-hmm. and uh so i got back finished up my, my stuff and and put my pictures in the envelope that was stapled to the manila folder and uh and next day i come to work and i got called into the barrack to, to see the detective sergeant and I'm brand new there and I've never met the detective sergeant before. They're in charge of reviewing all the criminal reports, make sure everything's okay. Make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So I go in there and I'm nervous and uh, detective sergeant's like, you need to explain something to me. I'm like, all right. And that's exactly how he came off to me. I'm like, man, I never met this guy before. I never disrespected him. So I like, yes, sir. And uh, he's like this report, you know, what's it about? So I told him, he was like, what are these pictures? And I'm like, well, you know, I the picture of the vehicle that was messed up. I took those crowbars, evidence, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's the victim. There's a suspect. So he's like, these pictures right here? And I'm like, yeah. So he starts throwing these pictures at me. He said, what's this picture? And it was the vehicle. What's this picture? It was the crowbar is what the suspect used. Mm. What's this picture? And, you know, went on. So I had about eight pictures. So that gets to the very last picture. He throws this picture. Now, what is this? And it's a picture of one of the toilets in the barrack with a big deuce floating in it. I'm like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And he starts laughing his ass off. And I had accidentally left my stuff out when I went to hand. And one of my partners got a hold of it and slipped, slipped it in there. He's like, hey, man, don't ever leave anything out. And I was uh, like, duly noted. That is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, nobody trying to see that. Oh. <laughs> and oh, I tell you, yeah. it, crazy times. I believe it. Crazy That's times. Awesome. Yep. So, how many years total with the state police you do? Little over nine years. Nice. Little over nine years. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, my best, my most productive years were ninety nine and two thousand. Though, and I say that in regards to uh, drug interdiction and criminal interdiction, working Interstate ninety five. Mm. And uh, I uh, I had made one arrest where I uh, stopped a guy for no seatbelt and um found a compartment underneath the center console and ended up being two ounces of crack well unbeknownst to me there was another car about two tenths of a mile down the road with the four flashers on one of my partners like hey man i'll I'll go check on him you know i already had the guy in handcuffs whatever somebody goes down checks on him and he runs this guy's name over the system and it's the owner of the car that i just stopped and found the compartment in I'm like, detain him. Right. You know? So these two guys from uh, Baltimore City, Randallstown area, drug trafficking ring. And uh, I never went went to court for the case, but I ended up seizing both their vehicles. Uh, They had a little bit of cash on them. The two ounces of Coke guy had a little bit of weed in his car, the one that was uh, the owner of the car and the car he was driving. And, uh, I never went to court for it, so I didn't know what was going on. I went to the, the uh, uh, grand jury hearing because I had charged them with felonies. Uh, but that was it. Um, and then, ironically, about 10 years later, I'm already retired, and I get a federal subpoena for this guy. And um, come to find out that the feds have got had a hold of these guys and had charged them with the RICO mm. statutes. And... They wanted me to come testify because the crack that I found was the first evidence that law enforcement, as I'm making air quotes with my fingers, the first evidence that law enforcement had in their hands that established the beginning of their drug trafficking organization. Wow. Well, one of the stories that goes along with this is 
I forget what year it is, but, and it hit the news. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Rashid the Rock Rockman. He was a heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavyweight boxer. Yep. From um, Maryland, Baltimore, mm-hmm. Maryland. Yeah. So these guys uh, meet up with some, I, think, I believe it was a nephew of Rockman, him and another guy to do a dope deal. They barred Rashid the Rock Rockman's car. Wow. And the two guys I locked up, they meet up with them. They get in the back seat of the car and they end up robbing him. And when they robbed him, the the guys I had locked up actually murdered the driver and the passenger, just execution style. Really? Yeah. Robbed them, took the dope, everything, uh, took their cell phones. And when they grabbed one of the victim's cell phones, they accidentally hit redial. So the last number that the victim called was his mother. Mom wasn't home, so her answer machine picked up. Wow. So they're talking about everything. this robbery. Talking so about the brain, hung it up. brains hung blowing it up. out. Yeah. But they the, put the bodies. They left them in the car. Oh, shit. They left them there. It was Pim- Timonia or Pimlico area. Wow. Yeah. So, so like, it was still left on the answer machine. Mom got home, listened to it. She recognized the voices because they all grew up together. Mm. So she heard about how her son was murdered from the childhood friends wow. who actually did it. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So I ended up listening to a bunch of this during the trial down in uh, Baltimore city, the Garmatz uh, courthouse. And uh, it was crazy. They had fired their attorneys wow. uh, during this Rico trial and uh, pled that the court had no jurisdiction over them. Almost like the uh, sovereign, sovereign citizenship. Mm-hmm. Right, sovereign citizenship. Yeah. They, it was nuts. Wow. It was nuts. Yeah. To, to know that it, it was like a full circle, you know, here had been t- um, 10 years since I'd retired and here I am testifying in court about this case that happened back in, 99. Yeah, when, you, when you just got a, like a small drug arrest. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. And yeah. they were, they were killers. Oh man. It was, it was incredible. Wow. It was incredible. Yep. Wow. I'd made another, uh, seatbelt stop right out here. Mountain road, southbound 95, Tuesday morning, July 13th, 1999, mm. 10, 47 in the morning. First day I got to wear my stripes. You know, I got promoted. Mm-hmm. So had three years on the job. So what I like corporal. Uh, no, just TFC, Trooper First Class. Okay. Stop this New Jersey, Lincoln Continental coming south, speeding, no seatbelt, guy's by himself. Did the passenger side, gets license registration. License was just issued two days ago, right? Mm. Okay, so New Jersey license has the height, but they don't have the weight. I like Maryland. Maryland has height and weight. So I'm looking at that, and he gives me the registration. I said, whose car does this belong to? He says, it's my aunt's car. Said, What's your aunt's name? He just looks at me. I'm like, what, what's your aunt's name? You know? Did I ask you a puzzling yeah. question? Bro? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I'm like, she's letting you use the car. Right. Hello. Enter yeah. mama. Well, it's on, right. the, it's on the registration right there. I'm like, I know that. I'm asking you. Yeah. I said, do me a favor. How much you weigh? And he said, I don't know, 160. I said, all right, do me a favor. Step out to the back. Because I want to check his height and his weight, mm-hmm. see if it matches at least the height. And it was off. By like four inches is his height. I'm like, why didn't you change? You were just there. Why didn't you change your height? Oh, yeah. they wouldn't let me. On. So I'm like, where are you going? He's like, well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually in the fire academy up in New Jersey to become a firefighter, but I got a, a family reunion down in North Carolina that I'm going to. You know, I went to academy by myself, not the fire department, but, you know, I'm sure they want you in the academy. 
in the state on, a, in on a Tuesday. How about that? You know? Oh, yeah, on a Tuesday? Yeah. Absolutely. So you got somebody who has most likely a fraudulent ID. Yeah. Doesn't know who the vehicle belongs to, even though he says it's his aunt's. And he can't lie to save his, and to save his life. He's got an unbelievable story, <laughs> right. you know? So, you know, hey, I just got promoted. I'm, I'm, I'm the man, right? I'm like, I call for a drug, drug, drug dog, you know? Negative, none, none available. I'm like, man. I'm like, I saw a call for oh, so backup. happens to you guys too. Oh, yeah, all the time. How about that? So I had to revert to a consent search, you know, and, and they're 50-50, you know. So went up, gave the guys his license, you know. His, I gave him a warning because I figured I'd kill him with kindness. Hey, man, I just gave you a warning. I could have given you a ticket. Absolutely. I'm just giving you a warning, blah, 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 blah. Here's everything. Hey, look, man, we got a big problem with people with guns and drugs, blah, 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 blah. Can I check your car real quick? Can I search it? It's like, yeah. All right. Even signs a consent form. So I got, I got that. I got it in writing and I start searching a car. And, uh, I got a friend of mine, my backup watching the guy. And I had this training and I don't know if you guys had it by, uh, Mike Lewis. He's a, uh, he's now the, uh, the sheriff for, uh, Wacomico County. He used to be a uh, sergeant with the Maryland State Police. Trained every Maryland State Trooper on how to look for compartments and vehicles, right? So I'm like, man, I remember Mike had a Lincoln Continental like this. So I need to check this spot. You know, I'd never found a compartment before. I've heard about them. So, you know, you sit in the back seat, and there's an armrest that comes down. There's a 92 Lincoln Town car. You know what I'm talking about with the seat, the yeah, little armrest coming old down. Old school orange. Yep. So Call I folded that down. Big as hell. And I checked that leather flap. You know, when the when the armrest comes down, usually a leather flap right here it matches the same color of the interior. Correct. I hit it. It's hard as steel. And I'm like, mm. holy shit. So I went around, popped the trunk open, and I'm looking, and there's a small donut for a spare up underneath the rear deck where the speakers would be. And I'm like, this is a full-size car. Mm-hmm. It needs a full-size donut, right? So I turned and looked at the guy, and the guy wouldn't look at me. He's just looking straight over uh-huh. Interstate 95. I'm so like, yeah, I got you. I pulled the, the donut out, bounced it on the ground, see if I heard anything bounced around in there, nothing. So went to grab the carpet, and it's glued down. I'm like, here it is. Bingo. And I ripped the carpet, and there's a steel box. And I'm like, I went around to the side of the back door, opened the back door, and I just ripped the back seat off the frame. And there were duct tape packages everywhere. Oh, Wow. So, leaned out, told my buddy Chris, go ahead and lock him up. And before I got, go ahead and lock, he, the guy passed out. He fell. I mean, the adrenaline, he, he fell out. <laughs> so, it was a hidden compartment that trap door was behind that armrest. And you had to sit in the driver's seat, put your foot on the brake, hit the cruise control and the rear defroster. And it was on, and it was on a, had a piston attached to it and it'd slide over to the passenger so, side. Wow. And you'd reach in there. And it was over six keys of crack cocaine. Wow. 13, a little over 13 pounds of crack cocaine. Oh, wow. Yeah. It ended up being the largest crack cocaine seizure in the United States on a traffic stop in 1999. Wow. Wow. Yeah. DEA recognized it. They flew me down to New Orleans the next year, got an award, all that stuff. But yeah, it was, That's it, was awesome. a, it was amazing. Wow. It was amazing. So, yeah. Isn't it amazing how like the uh, stab, stash boxes work? <laughs> It's it's incredible. I saw a stash box like you have to open the glove compartment. There was like you know back in the day it was a ninety two Camry. It was a two door. Okay. You don't see too many no. ninety two two door Camrys. 
So there was like a button. You have to touch that button with a penny. But your AC has to be not all the way at, um, not the AC, the fan. You have to put it to heat. But the, it had to be halfway. It couldn't be all the way like at full blown. And it couldn't be like just at low. It had to be like in the middle. And that will open the stash box. I'll tell you, man, if these criminals put as much time and effort as they do to get around us mm-hmm. and do a legitimate business, business there'd be so many make, millionaires absolutely. running around here. I'm telling you, man, it, it's crazy, crazy. I got one uh, coming south. Um, I'm not going to take all the credit for it because it was a lookout. Mm-hmm. DEA called the barrack, and I just happened to be standing next to my sergeant in the barrack. And uh, he writes down this tag number and all, and he hands to me, say, hey, man, DEA's following this guy down. They don't know who he is, but they got him on a wiretap. If you can develop some type of PC, probable cause, to stop him, just get his ID so they know who he is, and you can cut him loose. All right. Me and my corporal, who's my next line supervisor, we go rolling out. And we always in competition, you know. So I ended up getting the guy. I stopped him for doing three miles over the speed limit. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you, like, how do you see all these cars? Because there's nothing but cars just whizzing I, by you. Well, when you're looking for a uh, gold Chrysler 300 with Texas plates on it, oh, it's no, not no, that no. hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Come, come, hard. come, come coming hard. south. Yeah. So uh, stopped him. Guy was by himself, right? And uh, again, passenger side approach, and there was, you know, probably a six pack of empty Red Bulls on the passenger side of the floor. A uh, bunch of cell phones, air freshener, you know, all, all the makings of possibly a mule drug trafficker. Absolutely. You know? So, again, license registration. So, he gives me a California driver's license, a CDL driver's license. So, he has the right. He can he can drive a tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Texas registration of El Paso, mm. which is a big point of entry. Borderline. Between Texas and uh, and Mexico. So, here's a story. He said, uh, mm. I live in California. And I had a warrant in New York City I had to take care of. He said, so I took a bus from California to El Paso to borrow my uncle's car and drove up to New York. I said, you got the warrant paperwork? He said, yeah, he's handed it to me. It's legit. Okay, it's like three days ago he had to be in court for this FTA warrant or something dumb. Okay. And I'm like, all right, so what's your uncle's name? He had no answer. Exactly. He started getting the cotton mouth. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, you can see the white. Uh-huh. You know, start crushing in, in up crease. with his leg. Yeah. yeah. I started seeing his neck, uh-huh. his carotid artery. And I'm like, oh, something's going on, you know. Didn't know his uncle's name. <laughs> I'm like, all right, boss, you know, just hang with me. I'll, I'll be right with Take you. Take it easy. So, relax. So, my, you know, I'm starting to get a little excited. I'm thinking, man, there might be something here. I said, uh-huh. DEA didn't say I couldn't, you know. So, cut the guy a warning. Say, hey, man, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'd like to search a car. He's like, okay, no problem. Here's a state police consent to search form, form 130, blah, 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 blah. You just give me the permission. I read it all to him because I figure if something good is in there, I want to make sure all my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed. Absolutely. Because it's all on video too. So he not only gave me verbal consent, which is on video, but also gave me written consent. So I get inside the car and I think I can smell paint, like auto paint. I'm like, that's kind of weird because it's a fairly new car. Open up the back door and the smell starts hitting me really bad and i'm thinking maybe there's a false compartment underneath the seat so for whatever reason i go to the trunk and the the carpet is glued down on the trunk floor which is always a a key indicator that's because it doesn't come from factory glued down you know 
So I pushed down on the floor and the floor flexed about a quarter of an inch. And factory floors in a car do not flex. Mm-hmm. They're, they're rigid. So I'm all right. So I went back. I put the guy in handcuffs. I said, look, you're not under arrest. I said, but there's something suspicious in this car. How do I get into it? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, all right. So I went back to my trunk. I always carried a three-foot crowbar for times like this. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm 99%. I got a compartment here. And I got my supervisor sitting right here. And luckily, he's high speed. You know, he wants me to get something as bad as anybody, you know. And I'm like, hey, Corporal, I'm pretty sure I got a compartment. He just looks at me, smiles, and shrugs his shoulders. Do like, what you got to do. Exactly. Do what you got to do. So, all right. So, I went up to the guy, and I'm holding my crowbar. I'm like, look, I'm going to give you one more time. I don't want to mess your uncle's car up. I'm, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. And he just turned it away from me. Thank you. Yep. He just gave me the car. Uh-huh. You know? So, I went to the trunk, and I saw a seam where it looked like two pieces were, were welded together. And I started hammering with this, with this crowbar. And it probably took me about 20 25 times. I busted it open and all I could see were cellophane packages. I'm mm. like, I'm good. Because for a second, I thought we have to buy this guy a new trunk. Absolutely. You know? So uh, we take the car, we take the suspect back to the barrack, and uh, I, I proceed to start busting it open. And, you know, you're talking about earlier where if one of your partners gets into something, you want to be there with them. Mm-hmm. Of course. My partner, John, who was with me the night I got hurt, this, this uh, seizure actually happened about – about a month before I got hurt, John was off. And I called him like, dude, I don't know what I have, but I got the mother load. Mm-hmm. He's all right. He, he got suited up. He came out. He was off. <laughs> he came up to the barrack with some tools. Sound like y'all. He helped me open up the trunk. And uh, I ended up having to get the local volunteer fire department to come out with the jaws of life. Nice. We ripped that trunk out. of, And what, what they did was they took the identical trunk floor from another Chrysler 300 wow. mounted it four inches above the factory floor. So there's a void there right around the spare tire well and everything. I mean, it, it, stuff in there. it covered from the taillights all the way up to the back seat to the fender wells. Mm. Wow. And they packed it. Right. So we get one of the cellophane packages out and it was, it was currency cash, $532,000 Damn. in cash. Yeah. Yep. It was unbelievable. And uh, my buddy Mike Lewis came up, Sheriff Lewis now. He was Sergeant Lewis then. Uh, he, he heard about it. He wanted to come up, check it out. And uh, he started laughing. He's got this southern draw. He's like, boy, you really fucked that trunk up. <laughs> <So I was laughs> like, yeah, Mike, I did. And he starts laughing. He gets a screwdriver out, and he pops about three screws off of inside the rear fender well. And pops some screws off the taillights in the trunk and pops the rear bumper off. And you can see the two trap doors right there on how you're supposed to get. And he just takes a hammer and, and hits one. It was just, they used a Bondo. It's like a putty that body and fender guys use. Yep, yep, yep. And it just fell off. And all the, the, the money, it was saran wrapped and fabric softer sheet and saran wrapped again. And it was tied all together. So all you had to do was pop the doors off and pull the strings and all the money would come, would, right would out. come, come out. Right out. Yeah. Of course I went the hard way. And got the jaws of life and <laughs> ripped the trunk out. But uh guy was like, man, I don't know anything about that money. I just want to go. And we called DEA up and said, hey, look, this is what we got. You know, of course, they were excited because of the money. They got 10% right off the top. But they were like, go ahead and let them go. We want to see what happens with the wire. Mm. The wire tap. All right. So we gave him $100. He had about two grand on him, which we figured was his payment. Because he drew, drove a load of coke 
up and was bringing money back south. Right. And uh, gave him 100 bucks. We emptied all the shit out of the car into garbage bags, gave him the garbage bags, called him a cab. And uh, he went over to Perryville train station and caught a train north to New York. And uh, two days later, and this is all from the wiretap from this point on, the drug trafficking organization, a couple of their members drove the suspect I had who had the money, drove him down from New York. They drove through the barrack parking lot and he, there were, the car was there. It was still there, the one that I seized that had the compartment, all the money in it. So the guy proved, because he had no receipt for the money. I wanted to give him a receipt, but it was going to take a day. He's like, no, nah, I just want to leave. All he had was a written warning for me for speeding, doing 68 and 65. So, you know, he, he told his boss, I imagine he told him, you know, state police down in Maryland took your money. So somewhere between Perryville, Maryland, and New York City, they killed him. Oh. Dumped the body. What? Yeah. You figure you lose half a million dollars. Oh, yeah. You, you, you know? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, you, you wasn't giving them that. They, they you know, they're prepared to lose dope. They know they're going to lose dope, but they don't want to lose they money. They don't want to use mm-hmm. the money. No. It took eight hours and two money counters to count all that money. Damn. Wow. Yeah, there was like 42,000, no, 4,200 $20 bills. And, and, you know, all the money there, not one counterfeit bill. Which was surprising. Wow! But yeah, it was incredible. That was that was the one of the best. So, so between Perryville and New York, he got killed. Yep. Yeah. See how fast that's in the head, a hit out for you. And I tell you what, it's that quick. It's humbling too because I've also Messed thought. Money up. I, right. I, I've also thought about you know that was somebody's dad you know because I knew he had kids right you know but it's like it's not my problem you play that game you bro. know you, you exactly they come with the territory yep exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's a, yo, you hear some, some phenomenal stories. What? Ah, bro, I, I got I, I get to sit next to this. So you, so you know why I was pissed. <laughs> but tell you, I got to get my guy in, man. Wow. Yeah, it's, and, and I tell you, there are guys and girls out there that are more hard charging than me. You know, they're out there killing it. You know, I, I would get lucky with something like that like once every six months. Mm. You know? In a way, it was good because it kept the higher-ups off my back to where if you're bringing something like that in every week, they're going to start looking at you. Right. right. You know, And I, I tell you, there are, there are guys and girls out there that can do it. I don't know how they do it, but they, they do it. And, and it's, it's incredible. It really is what goes on up and down Interstate 95. People have no Daily. I mean, that's the, that's the corridor. Oh. That's the one that makes it happen. Yeah. Well, shout out to those state troopers that make it happen. Absolutely. They have that eye. They got that dog scent. And pick as soon it as out. they see it, uh, I want it. Because they're stopping all this, uh, you know, drugs from getting to those neighborhoods. Yeah. I had worked, I worked one case with uh, Baltimore City and the task force. And um, they called up to the barrack one night. I was working 3 to 11 and had a lookout for a guy coming south, supposed to have a big load of coke. And my sergeant was like, go ahead out, sit. I won't give you any calls. Just look for it. I'm like, all right. So it was a Friday night. I sat there, nothing. And I even stayed a couple hours on my own time, nothing. And I was looking for a green Chevy uh, four-door with uh, Maryland tags, BGN 302. I'll never forget it. Mm. And uh, never saw a car. And the following week, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I had range, I had the range, and usually I don't know about 
with the city, but uh, the, the day we qualify for day fire, night fire, you know, you go to the range and then you go home. That's your day. That's it. Special assignment. You know, it's training. So that's what it was. Uh, at the time, our range was in northern Hartford County. Uh, you know, got done. It was uh, probably about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and my sergeant's like, all right, man, you know the deal. Go home. Be quiet. Be quiet between here and going home. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so I get on 95. I'm cruising home, and I'm cruising at trooper speed, you know. And uh, I- I'm – passing a couple of vehicles here and there. And all of a sudden I pass a green Chevy four door and I look in my rear view mirror, BGN three Oh two. I'm like uh, coming no South. Way. Yes, Gotta sir. Be kidding me. <laughs> I'm telling you my hand to God. So I slowed down and I called up a uh, city detective that I was working with, uh, who just happens to be in jail right now from that whole gun trace force, uh, oh, task gosh. force. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Right. So, I'm like, hey, you still looking for that car? He's like, yeah, why? So we heard he came home, but he had, he had to go up and re-up back up in New York. I'm like, well, I'm behind him on 95 now. Mm. He's like, well, stop him. I stopped him. We're on our way. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, I was like, you have PC, probable cause to hold him. He's like, yeah, I got everything. I'm like, all right, you know, I don't know this guy. I, I trust him just like I trust car. you. Yeah. Absolutely. In your so, personal car. No, I'm in my cruiser. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, I'm in an unmarked cruiser. But, yeah. So, I actually stopped right here. Exit, just past 77. Exit 77 coming south. I stopped him for a uh, cracked windshield. Mm-hmm. Went up, and I'm I'm off duty. I, I got my camo pants on. I got a t-shirt on. It says oh, state police. Shit. And it's like, you know, the guy's got to know something's up. Because it's not every day you see a guy dressed in camo pants and a t-shirt <laughs> stopping you because you got a cracked windshield. Right. You know what I mean? So it was his car. He gives me his license registration. So where are you coming from? Oh, I had a job interview up in uh, Riverside. And I'm like, I've been following you since Harvard Grace. Right. You know, so I already know, so, you know, he's not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So he's not telling the truth about that. He, he's, he's up to something. So, uh, you know, I called everything. Everything came back okay. The car wasn't stolen. He wasn't wanted. He wasn't suspended because I'm looking for a reason to hold him right. longer. And, uh, I was done. I, I wrote him a repair order for the windshield. I called up that detective. I said, hey, man, my part of the job's done. I said, as far as this Maryland State Police goes, my, I, I can't hold him anymore. Right. He's like, I've got enough. I'm like, okay. So went up, gave him stuff, and I was like, hey, look, you know, can I search your car? You know, I'm leaving some details out. But he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. So he stands back with another trooper and go up to the car, open up the back driver's side door. And there's a leather jacket on the back seat. And I grabbed that leather jacket and I pulled it out. And as soon as I pulled it out, he says, no, stop. And this is the owner of the car telling me to stop. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't want you searching my car. I said, okay. So I put the, put the car, uh, uh, coat back on the back seat. I called the detective. I said, look, you know, this is where we're at. And he said, well, we're northbound with a canine. He said, don't let him go. So, all right. So, um, uh, they ended up showing up. We uh, detained the guy, the dog alerted to the vehicle and uh, ended up being like six ounces of powder in this guy's coat, but no bricks. You know, he was supposed to have like 30 bricks and uh, come to find out later, I had to go down to Baltimore City and testify in this uh, because that ended up being the first uh, physical evidence they had against against this guy. And uh, 
he ended up getting some serious jail time out of it, even though I only had six ounces on him. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, combined with the task force and what, you know, city was doing with him, he ended up doing some, some good time on it. But it's just little things like that, you know, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> it was crazy. fun, man. For for the nine years I was out there, man, I, I had a blast. Now you was busy. Yeah. I, I was busy. And, and, you know, I spent a year up in Cecil County where I was doing the reactive police work, you know, handling calls. And, and um, I had I had one call. It was uh, June 10th, 2002. And it was for a hit and run. And, uh, you know, I show up. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I was working 11 to 7. And uh, talking to this lady, she just bought this brand new four-door Chevy Cavalier. You know, not the nicest car, but it was nice to her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And her boyfriend was a biker dude. You know, did not like police, did not like police at all. And then, you know, the whole time, like, ma'am, I'm going to do my best to find out. Because the only description she had was it was a gold colored SUV. That was it. And I was like, ma'am, I'll do my best. And her boyfriend or husband, whatever, was like, you're not going to do shit. You guys suck, blah, 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 blah. So that kind of got me fired up. Right. You know, and I'd already been on a job for like six years. So, you know, I still had a little bit of piss and vinegar in me. Absolutely. so going to talk like that to me, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, man, I, I tell you, I, I drove around Cecil County for six hours and I found the car. Mm. I found the car and uh, I went up and knocked on the door and uh, ended up being a juvenile that was driving it. Wow. Yeah. And uh, because his brother who was underage was drunk and uh, it was a good feeling because I knocked on the door at like six o'clock in the morning. And woke mom and dad up on a Sunday morning or whatever morning it was and uh, told them, you know, how much of an asshole their kid was, right. basically. And uh, they were like, you know what? Why don't you get downstairs and wake them up? They're mm. down, hey, no problem. Would so love to. Yep. Yep. Woke them up. And I only remember the day because my son was born on the 11th, the, the following day. That morning after wow. I, I went home to get some sleep after, you know, finding the suspect vehicle. And I got to wake up the biker because nice. as soon as I left the suspect's house, Captain Asshole, I stopped by Captain Asshole's house, had all the information on a three by five index card. Mm-hmm. Here you go. He's like, what's this shit? And I'm like, that shit is the person who hit you and your wife and your kid. And that's the person I told you I would find. Mm. And, you know, he turned her and he was like, he stuck his hand out, shook my hand. He's like, I'll never think of police the same way. There you go. Wow. I'm like, you know, that, that's, that's almost more rewarding than getting a load of dope. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because right. you, you just, you're changing somebody's whole way of thinking. They hope he was a non-believer. Police. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yep. But unfortunately there's just as many of us in uniform who turn the tables. Right. You know, and no, no matter who you are or who you are, who I am, the people just see the uniform, you know, and if, if they've been wronged, and that's all they know. That's it. It's that bad. You know, and, you know, it, it's just a damn shame, you know, that, that law enforcement doesn't get a better rap, you right. know, and, and I think a lot of, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are in uniform who have lost the reason why they got on the job. Mm. And, you know, they look at it as a burden instead of looking at everything as an opportunity to try to do something good. Right. You know, and 
you know, I've spent years where I worked uh, and I helped recruiting out and I did a lot of interviews of people who wanted to get into the state police. And we always ask them, why do you want to become a state trooper? Why do you want to be a police officer? And everybody, I want to help people. Like bullshit. You know, you're not going to be helping anybody. Right. You know, you're always dealing with people at their worst. Right. You know, and, and I'd start running down some scenarios. You know, this is what you got to deal with. This is what you're going to have to do. Is that what you, is that what you want to do really to get paid the amount of money that, that you're getting paid, right. you know? And, um, you know, and, until you, until you actually do the job, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to understand. Absolutely. You know, it is. I, my son's 18 and, uh, wow. ever, ever since he could remember, I've been telling him how bad the job is. I've, I've been totally honest with him, but I never put it in much of a positive light for him. Mm-hmm. And to this day, he he doesn't want to be in law enforcement, which you know, knock on wood. But I figure with everything I've told him, everything he's seen on TV, you know, if he really wants to do it, then it's in his heart, Absolutely. and he will he will kick ass doing it. Right. You know, I mean, you, yeah, this is a job that has to be in your heart. Absolutely. Let me ask you, what, what's your opinion like on everyone that has an opinion on? how to do the job that's <laughs> never done the job the keyboard lawyers yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keyboard lawyers and, go- and google specialists yeah exactly it's it's one of those things until you walk a mile in our shoes you know because uh, you know chris will tell you you know something happened with law something big in the news will happen you know with like the whole mike brown thing you know if somebody knows that you have anything to do with law enforcement, they'll come to you what do you think what do you think happened? You know, but, and I'm like, I, I can't give an opinion because I wasn't there. Right. I wasn't there. My eyes weren't there. And even sometimes when your eyes are there, you're still not getting the whole story. Right. Because I used to ride, me and H used to ride around. Mm-hmm. He'll see something and I'm too busy on my phone or yep. picking my nose. Yeah, exactly. I didn't see what he saw, but we're in the same car. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's, people wouldn't believe half the stuff three quarters of stuff that we could tell them. Absolutely. They would never believe, you know, and then a lot of the stuff that we would deal with on a daily basis. That's no big deal. You know, you talked about how much, how high the divorce rate is with law enforcement, you know, suicide. It's suicide. Yeah. Taking their own lives. I mean, yeah. I know troopers who have taken their own lives, Absolutely, you know, and I May think they rest in peace. So, right. Absolutely. So much of it has to do with, um, just keeping everything inside. Right. Uh, being a first responder, uh, law enforcement, especially, you know, you can't show emotion when you're working. You can't, or you'll be considered weak. But they want us to, though. You know? They want us out there singing and dancing and, hey, what's up? We're friends. The paradigm has shifted. We're the we're sheep. We're the sheepdog. Yeah. We're the sheepdogs protecting the herd. Always the herd of sheep. will be. We're annoying to the sheep. The sheep think we're a pain in the ass, you know, but they, but they, us. they want us out there walking. They yeah. want us out there walking the perimeter. They want us out there to be the frontline defense. Well said, you know, um, Absolutely. It, it's, it's tough. Cause I know I'm divorced twice now talking about divorce. Uh, the first one definitely contributed from my job mm-hmm. because I put all my emotions in a box. You know, I go home, I, you know, I, everything's outside. You know, I put it in a box, leave it on the front doorstep. When I go to work, you know, I'll take it with me. But, you know, there's days where you got to make a death notification because somebody's child was killed in a car accident. Right. 
you know, or, you know, you're locking up somebody's dad because they beat their wife, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, or thank God I never had to do it or you had to take somebody's life. Right. You know, I've been in several situations where my finger was on the trigger. Right. You know, they were definitely justifiable. Absolutely. Nobody got hurt. Right. But it was there. I, I wanted to give it more time to play out and it always played out in my favor. Um, the, there was one incident, um, that was brought up right before the show started where I had stopped a vehicle on interstate 95 in Cecil County and, uh, searched the car and, uh, I had already patted down the driver. It was a driver and his girlfriend, a girlfriend, they had a six month old baby in a car seat and it was a minivan. And before I'd searched it, I had had a criminal history check done on the driver. He come back with every caution code. In everything. the alphabet, everything, and which included resisting, murder, you, you name it. Oh, he had the Christmas Drug tra- lights on. Yeah, 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 yeah everything. Right. Uh, <laughs> everything. Story. Dashboard was lit yeah. all up. <laughs> uh, you know, and the story didn't make any sense. Uh, owner of the vehicle wasn't there. Mm. It was crazy. So before I started searching the vehicle, the guy was like, hey, can I go up to my girlfriend let her know what's going on? I'm like, nah, just, just hang out. And this is... 4 30 in the morning mm. and it's february 2000 it's cold as shit and this guy is sweating he's got i mean just sweat beads on him. and i'm like it's like 20 degrees outside yeah you know what the hell am i doing but you know right. he's sweating i'm like no nah, man just hang out just hang out. he kept asking me like, just hang out so I'm like something's gonna happen fidgety like a mug so, something's gonna happen and uh my backup gets there and we walk up to the van and the guy comes with me because he's like I'll, I'll get my baby out I'm like, all right, you know, open up the side doors at Mazda MPV minivan. I get, I say, Hey ma'am, you know, I need to step out of the vehicle. And as I'm talking to her, getting her out of the vehicle, he's reaching over and getting the baby. And I'm trying to shine my light and look to see what he's doing. If he's grabbing anything or anything like that, grabs the baby, we go back to my car. We put the girl in the front seat, let her hold the baby in a nice, you know, warm car. And he stood on the uh, right front passenger uh, side of my vehicle and my backup troopers watching him. And I didn't pat him down again. I'd patted him down one once before I asked for consent. But once he got the baby out, I didn't pat him down again. I didn't think about it. So that was one of my mistakes. So I went up to the van and pulled the sliding door open. And for whatever reason, I went right for the diaper bag that where right where he was within reach of. And I pulled it open up and it was a brick of Coke, mm. a kilo of cocaine. So, all right. So went back. It's like you're under arrest, put your hands behind your back. And this guy had like a sweatshirt and his big leather jacket on over top of it and trying to slide his sleeve up to get the first cuff on. I got the first cuff on, but when I pulled his left arm to get the cuff on, he tensed up. And I'd never had anybody tense up on me. Never. And it's like, and it just happened so fast. And I yanked his arm, got the handcuff on, and my backup trooper was like, he just dropped something. And I looked down, it was another brick of Coke. And at that moment, he spins around on me and starts running to the minivan that he drove. So I run after him. I tackled him. And it's assholes and elbows on the side of 95 in between a cruiser and his vehicle. And for whatever reason, my backup trooper wasn't much backup. And uh, the guy got up. I couldn't get the handcuff on him. Shout out to him. Right. And the suspect runs right past the trooper behind my car. So he's running away from the traffic stop, running north on southbound 95, and then runs out into traffic. What? And I'm running after him. 
And I'm sure you guys can attest to tunnel vision when, when the shit's hitting the fan. Of course. All you're seeing. Zeroed in. Yeah. And I went after him out, out 95 and I'm on the foot pursuit and he turns around and starts running south in the southbound lanes in the fast lane. And I'm wow. right after him. Not it just, I just want to get the bad guy. I'm, I'm zeroed in, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we run past the traffic stop and we're in the fast lane. I got my gun out and he turns around on me and we're about 10 yards away from each other. And I'm giving him verbal commands. He's not saying anything. And I'm taking a step by step in traffic. It's flying by us for a split second. I just turn and look and my backup trooper is actually behind me about 30 yards with a flashlight moving traffic over so that I don't get run over. So then the bad guy, as he's looking at me, reaches in like he's into his dip, like he's going to pull a weapon out. And it's like, well, that was one of the times where I felt like I could just unload on him. Absolutely. I want to see the weapon. I'm, I've got my gun out. A center mass right there. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know. You can articulate why you bust oh, off at ab- Absolutely. And I could empty my magazine on he before he pulls. Absolutely. Everything. And I'm like, I, I want to see the weapon, you know. Well, he was watching traffic, and when there was a break in traffic, he ran across the middle lane and the slow lane to the shoulder and then started running back up towards his vehicle. And I'm running with him parallel in lane, in the fast lane, mm-hmm. as he's running up the shoulder. And he gets to his van, he opens the door up, and he gets in the van. And I grab my ass baton out. I don't know what the hell I was doing, right? Bust the window out with my baton uh-huh. and went to grab him. And he just hit the gas and took off. And here I am, you know, holding Hold it on. Yeah. I, he, he's gone. I'm good. I'm, I can't chase him because I have his girlfriend and baby in my car. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the backup trooper starts chasing him. And uh, this was up near the Chesapeake house in uh, Cecil County. So by the time they got into Hartford County and close to the Maryland house, the state police helicopter was up and we had all of Hartford County out there. And uh, the guy ended up bailing out of the van, the van and drive and bailed out into the woods. And uh, the uh, FLIR, the infrared heat camera that is on the state police helicopter that tracked the guy in the woods and the troopers went in the woods and, and finished putting my cuff on him on the other side. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. Yep. I love that flare technology. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It is. It is. But more, um, unfortunately, more time, more often than not, at least with state police, you know, we'll call aviation out to help us and they can only hang out for about 10 minutes and then they gotta they go back go. for fuel. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, man, just when we're getting close. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It's it was, it was some exciting times. Nah, that's amazing, out there. man. It sounds so, like you had a lot of fun. I did. I did. That's a lot awesome. of fun. Um, can't teach experience, man. No, no, not at all. And a lot of it, you know, helps with my job that I have today. But, um, I tell you one big thing about law enforcement is very humbling. Yes. You know, especially handling calls and going to people's homes. And it's like, you know, you, you go, sometimes you end up going to the same residence over and over. And it's like, you know, sometimes you see a child who has a diaper on that's had, it's the same diaper that they had on two days ago. Absolutely. Right. You know, some of the homes that I went into in Cecil County for domestics or whatever, it's like, you know, there's roaches all over the place. Right. There's, and, and it's not that the people are disabled or can't clean. It's just they don't care, right. you know. And it's like you're thinking, boy, these, these children don't have a chance. Exactly. You know, and, and knowing what I get to go home to, you know, not that I, I lived in a castle, you know, I lived paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. 
but it, it's very humbling. Absolutely. You know, but I, I do have to, to say that I, a lot of it helps when um, you just treat people with respect. Goes a long way. It, it goes a long way. I mean, there are times where, you know, you may have to step down to their level, to, to someone's level who doesn't want to hear sir or please. You know, there were there were times where I actually had to curse and I got more respect when I cursed at the person. Because it's getting to that level. Yeah. And that's how they build rapport. Absolutely. So yeah. that's that's like I always said, we always got to wear a number of hats. Oh, my God. Because right. it's all in our delivery. Absolutely. And sometimes you got to get sometimes you got to get to an ignorant level so they can understand you because that's when they respect you. Yep. That's that's the only thing they know. But unfortunately, that's when the video cameras and the, and the cell phone cameras come out. Right. They miss everything that led up to that. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's one of the things that upsets me so much about what we see on TV. They just look for the negative part. Yep. And spin it. Yep. I see this is just like old police. That's what they do. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that's the news job, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad, you know. I I definitely don't envy anybody, you know, like gentlemen still doing the job today. Right. I mean, it, it's it's different just from ten years ago. Right. You know, and you hear you know stories about legends who wore the uniform before you did. Absolutely. You know, well, so and so would have handled it this way, or so and so did it that way, or you know, I had handled calls up in Cecil County where people were like, oh, do you know Trooper So and So? I'm like, yeah, and they were like. Man, he locked me up last week. He kicked my ass, but I deserved it. Can you tell him I'm sorry? Mm. <laughs> you know, all right, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you adjust your belt, like don't let it happen again. Right. <laughs> you know, That's right. But yeah, there, there are times where I think that old school policing, and what I mean by that is just you know not even worrying about um, articulating an arrest, more so than talking to them, right. And especially talking to them in a way that they'll understand. Yes. And it builds that rapport, you know, and I'm not talking about just overlooking something, you know, something that is major. I'm talking about overlooking something that's minor, mm-hmm. you know, they, sometimes it's better to build a rapport than to have to go through the whole process of everything where, um, you know, something's going to help you out in the future. Right. You know. So yeah, it's it's definitely rewarding. It's a disappointing career at times, but it's it's more rewarding. Absolutely. How was the transition from police work to now civilian life? It it took a, a long it took a couple years for me to feel like when I'm when I'm off duty because when when I was a trooper and I was off duty and I'd go out obviously if I'd have to be armed right and. You know, you work 24-7, even though you're only getting paid eight of those hours. Absolutely. You, know, you go out, something happens, you got to handle it. Right. And that there's a stress that's on you because not only do you have to handle it, but then you have to worry about the Monday morning quarterback. Right. It's not what you did right. Right. You know, it's what you did wrong. I got critiqued right. on, on the night I got injured, mm. you know, mm. and what I got critiqued on was because when I talked to the subject, before he was, before I knew he was going to be under arrest or anything, I had my back to traffic. So we're in between the cars, my cruiser and the Toyota Camry, and the subject's back was towards the woods, and my back was towards traffic. Did you put yourself in the right position? And I had a captain mm-hmm. who, I don't know how many years have been off the road, who critiqued me, saying that, you know, I was a piece of crap because I stood the wrong 
And I stood that way because I'm not the tallest of, you know, I'm five foot nine, Mm -hmm. you know, but when I put my Stetson on my, my headgear, my hat, a lot of people call it a cowboy hat, but it's called a Stetson. I put that on and it like, it, it completes my uniform, but it can also be intimidating. Mm -hmm. And the, the shoulders are on an angle so that water runs off. And the guy I was dealing with was two inches taller than me. So if I've got my, if I'm got my back towards traffic, I'm up on the higher angle than him. So I'm looking more down on him. So I'm, I'm trying to use everything I can to non-verbally intimidate him so that he doesn't, um, um, how much, what am I trying to say here? Trying to, uh, elevate the, the, I want to keep control of the stop. Absolutely. You know, so. If you want to stay in control. Absolutely. And, and, if, and if that's for me being able to tower over him. Then that's fine. Then that's fine. Then that, that's, that could save his life as well as mine. A good old captain didn't understand that. He didn't want to hear it. No, he hasn't been out making car stops in a long time. Yeah. But right. it's always quick the Monday so, night quarterback. So I, I didn't lose any sleep over that. I knew why I did what I did. Exactly. You know, plus I went home at the end of the night. And that's all that's that matters. That's matters. all that matters. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Nah, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, it's it took a couple of years. Uh, I mean, I I still uh, I'm armed all the time. Still. I was gonna rest say I still hope you remain armed all, day, every I, all day. the time, all the time. I'm uh, and it's it's a good feeling to know that I don't have to act if I don't need to, right? Because the permit I have, it's the Leosa, the mm-hmm. Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act. I can carry all fifty states. Yes, you can. Uh, I don't have no police powers, but. You know, if something were to happen, you know, main thing is my, my, mine and my, my family's safety. Absolutely. You know, that's the biggest thing. And, and that's federally. That yep. supersedes all state and local laws, baby. Yep. <laughs> the only thing I, that I keep my eye on is New Jersey because they right. won't, they won't let you carry hollow points. Yeah, they don't. Right. Which they don't, is, which is crazy. Which is unreal, especially right now. Right now. Yeah, Jersey's yeah. Uh, out of. They're showing off a little bit. Yeah. It, a little different. You don't want to think that there's an officer out there that would charge. A retired officer having hollow point bullets, but, but there's happen, always but that one. Always that one. There's always that one. Right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that one. No. So we count. You know, every time we go back to New York, I gotta. You know, set it up for New Jersey. Okay. Which is a pain in the ass. Not I me. Got, I carry what I carry. That's it. <laughs> I got. If it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I went to Atlantic City one night and uh, stayed in a hotel off Black Horse Pike. So we were coming back from the casino, and uh, local PD there had a uh, DWI checkpoint set up. And uh, I have my, my Glock with hollow points in the glove compartment. And uh, I pulled my credentials out and and just had in my lap my ID and my badge. And uh, the officer came up and he's like, you Leo? Short for law enforcement officer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, sir. Out of Maryland. Trooper. And that was it. He's like, hey, open everything up. Let this guy through. We got a Leo here. Have a good night. I'm like, hey, be safe. Yeah, I drove right on through. I mean, they were cool. I mean, the times are different now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, law enforcement should always take care of law enforcement. They should. They should. You'd be surprised about the attitude sometimes. No, get. I believe it. It's a lot of assholes. You know? Right. I uh, I stopped a guy one time, a Connecticut officer, small department. I'd never heard of it. And he gave me his ID and uh, his driver's license. I stopped for speeding. It wasn't like, like 78, 80, maybe, and 65. So I went back to my car, and I'm looking at his ID, and it, it looks like an ID that I podunk police department would have made up you know it was laminated you know they, they used a picture from a polaroid that they cut and and i'm looking and i started comparing it to his license and i'm like his his date of birth is off mm. 
So I had my cell phone. I called the department. Hey, do you have an officer so-and-so? Yeah, we do. I was like, all right, everything's cool. And just hung up and I went up. And at the time we had uh, cameras in our cars. So it was, it's policy. You stop a car, you give them a piece of paper, whether it's a warning, a ticket, a repair order, whatever. Plus we had to give them a pamphlet on how to file a complaint against us. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Compliments or complaints, but they were always complaints. Uh, so I gave the guy stuff. I'm saying, Hey, look, just to let you know, I called your department and verified that you're an officer. And he started getting in my ass. I'm like, look, look at your driver's license and, and look at your date of birth on both of them. And he looked at, it, he's like, man, I'm sorry. I would have done the same thing. I'm like, careful pulling off. Shit, bro. You know, yeah. it's just, you just never know. I'm not trying to jam you up, bro. I'm just like, you know. check yourself before you start running off right. your mouth. I had a friend of mine. Um, he was a trooper. He retired and became a DEA agent. And uh, he stopped a New York City cop southbound out here on 95 in Harford County. And he was an animal when it came to interdiction. And the guy was an active duty New York City cop. And he had a bunch of uh, coke in his trunk. Huh? Drug what? trafficking. Yep. He just, he, he, he just had a way to read people. And it was the driver and passenger. He separated them. The passenger was just nervous off the hook. The driver kept trying to play the badge. Hey, man, this is bullshit. You know, I'm just like you, blah, 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 blah. And it kept getting worse. And that just made his suspicion even more. Mm. Had the canine come in. Canine alerted to the vehicle. And it was a couple bricks of coke in the trunk. <laughs> Active what? duty. What? Yeah. Yep. No way. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know he I know he just felt like the biggest a hole. Yep. Wow. Yeah, to where, you know, I don't know that I went that far. You know, I wasn't there at the stop, but it's like because you it's give so much credit. Right. So there's something that he saw. Yep. That knew, hold up. Yeah. Ain't no way you should be acting like this, bro. Nope. You, you you really hyperactive for no reason. I tell yeah. you, I, I had a uh I had a good one. I stopped northbound, uh Cecil County speed. It was a slow night, it was like Sunday, it was like one o'clock in the morning. Uh, it was a uh, newer model Mercedes, North Carolina tags, University of Duke tags. Nice. And uh, yeah, the passenger side approach. The Blue Devils. Uh, guy was by himself, 60, 61 years old, didn't own the car, had a New Jersey license. And uh, say, his, say his name is Mr. Wilson. I was like, Mr. Wilson, I'm like, it's a beautiful car. You know, whose is it? He's like, oh, it's a friend of mine's. I was all right, what's his number? And he had a hard time. He, he couldn't give you a telephone number. Mm. I'm like, you know, it's about $120,000 Mercedes, you know? I'm like, all right, I'll give him a bite of the apple. And now I'll give him a break on I'm like, he gives me his driver's license and I'm looking at it. And this was back in 2002, 2001. And uh, it was signed in blue ink. Mm. And MVAs always use black ink pens. So I'm like, what's your social security number? So he gives me a social security number. I'm like, do you have anything else in your wallet, your name on it? And, you know, you get up in the 60s, you know, your, your pops, he pulls out his wallet. You can't barely close it. Right. You know what I mean? He's got some, he's got coupons in there. He's yeah, got pictures right. of his kids. Right. He's got $2 bills. He's got triple A cards from 77. Pops you know? is all over. <laughs> he's like, no, I don't. And he didn't even look in his wallet. He's just holding it. Mm. And it looks like a taco, you know? Right. Filled. Everything filled. I'm like, sir, what about a uh, health health uh, insurance card, something. No, I don't have anything. I'm like, son of a bitch. So at the time, back then, the first three digits of your social security number tell you what state the social security number was issued in, what state you were born. Right, right. So I said, where were you born at? And he said, I was actually born in 
in New Jersey. So, okay, is that where you live at now? He's like, no, I'm actually living in North Carolina. Well, the, his social was from North Carolina. Mm. So I had, you know, the owner of the vehicle wasn't there. He couldn't give me a telephone number, so I could confirm that if he could legally have the vehicle. He had a suspicious ID, and uh, he could provide me nothing else. So I got him out of the car, and I'm like, look, I don't think this is who you are. I said, Mr. Wilson, I don't think this is your name. If it is your name, it's not your date of birth. And he, he didn't put up any type of fight or anything. So I said, you're under investigative detention right now. That's it. And what that means is I'm going to detain you. And until I can figure out and satisfied with who you are, then, you know, you're good to go. He's like, yes, sir. All right. Put him in cuffs. No issues. Take him to the barrack. Fingerprinted him. Faxed his fingerprints to the FBI. And he wasn't in the cell for two minutes. He starts knocking on the door. So I get in there. Yes, Mr. Wilson, how can I help you? And that's, that's how I talk to him. Whatever. You know, it's a game. He's like, that's not my real name, Trooper. I'm like, I got that. So he gives me his real name, date of birth. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the last person out of a uh, 12-person uh, drug indictment out of North Carolina for a big cocaine trafficking ring. And he had been wanted for like five years. Oh. And he, they, we finally got him. And I just did a simple criminal investigation report on it. It's very simple, you know, because I ended up taking him to the commissioner with a warrant. And I was done with him because mm-hmm. I never found anything illegal in the car. I found some duct tape. But I didn't find a compartment or any type of uh, weapon or anything. No drugs. So about five months later, I get a federal subpoena to go to Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? For Pops. For Pops. And they wanted me to bring down my report. And I actually, I kept his fraudulent license. I stapled nice. it inside the fold. I took everything down there. And uh I ended up testifying in, in federal court down in North Carolina about this traffic stop and how I identified him and, and all that. And um, it, it, was, it was pretty interesting. That's you know, awesome. the, the, the kind of stuff you get involved it's in. It's great investigative work. It was, it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was fun because you get everything out there. You get that, you know, untaxed cigarettes to drugs to guns to money. Everything. People that are wanted, you know. Um, Everything's in a car stop. Everything. Everything. And they, and they say that. There's nothing in a car, but everything comes to cars. Let alone. No, no, no. What they say is, not that I know of. Right. Is there anything in the car? Not, not that, that I know, know of. <laughs> Just like when you ask, have you ever been arrested before? And you already ran a criminal history check on them. Right. Like, nope. And you're like, come on, man. You know? Wow. Has anybody ever put handcuffs on you right. and actually taken you to the precinct and fingerprint? Oh, yeah, but that was that was a while ago. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> well, amazing. Amazing. Good times. Phenomenal storytelling. Yeah, it was good, good times. Some, some not so good times. Some not so good. The, the worst one I had was I had a woman com- try to commit suicide in front of me. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been up to. On the road? Yeah, Interstate nice. 95. Up there by the uh, Tidings Bridge, the bridge that connects Hartford County and Cecil County. I don't like that bridge. You should, you should handle an accident out there Jeez. as much as it shakes. But uh, Oh, my God. I was I was heading home one day and I was a trooper and I saw a car that was broke down on the southbound side of the bridge and it was three thirty in the afternoon. This older lady, she was standing outside of her vehicle. So I pulled over and I had already passed her, so I had to back up. And as I'm backing up, I'm watching her in my rearview mirror because she's kind of standing close to the side of the road. And as I'm backing up, she's watching me. And she looks at the traffic coming south, and then she'll turn, she'll look at me, and then she'll look at traffic. 
And I'm like, what in the world is she doing? Right. You know, she's Absolutely. standing pretty close to the, right. the roadway. So I get my car in the park, and I'm in a marked car. They're, she knows who I am. Red, blue lights, you know, state trooper down the side. And I open my door up, and I, I step one foot out, and I look at her, and here comes a tractor trailer in the slow lane. And she jumps right out in front of the tractor oh. trailer. Yeah. The whole left side of her body took the impact. Boom. What? And she flew about 30 feet, landed not too far from me. I'm like, holy shit. What Did just I just happened? see why? Yeah. And I immediately on a radio called for aviation to get her flown to shock trauma or Christiana, whichever one, you know, medical board want to take it to. But um, she, you know, she was a mess. Broke every bone in her left side of her body. I bet. Jeez. She had a hole in her skull and it's like, damn, damn you know. Tractor trailer driver, he was he shit his pants. You know, I mean, I'm sure he did. He couldn't do anything. He filled up the whole seat too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Real. And uh, so she ended up getting flown out. And uh, did she make it? I went to work the next day, and I had a, a message to call this gentleman. Lived in New Jersey. I never heard him before, so called him, and it was the victim's brother. Wow. And identify myself, and he's like, "True, I just want to thank you for saving my sister's life." Wow. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, she was going to jump off the bridge. Mm, when she saw you. And she saw me, and she panicked, yep. and she just jumped out in front of the track trailer. She saw track trailer, she said, fuck it, I'm going to go out this way. Yep. Wow. Yeah. See, and and people would never believe these stories, boy, let me tell you. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> and, they, and they think that's not trauma. That, it's trauma that we see, and that's every day. It's always something. You, 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 it just, it's your job. It's your job. You know, you, you see people die in accidents, you, you know, you see people that are battered, you yeah. know, and it's like, if I'd only been there beforehand Absolutely. or whatever. And that, that was the one time I was there beforehand, even though, you know, what happened, but luckily it was a tractor trailer that hit her because right. her whole body took the impact. Right. If she would have got hit by a passenger car, she would have broke her leg. She would have flipped over. Right. And then another car probably would have ran, you know, yeah. but it's it's just crazy, you know. It, it is uh, Trooper Ray, the myth and the legend, baby. That's you. right. It was it was good times. It was I bet it was. Well, listen, bro. We appreciate you coming on tonight. Absolutely, yeah. phenomenal story. That was awesome, Triple C. I tell you, I, oh. I got one more quick one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't directly involved in it, but my partner was. We were working night shift, and it was September 9th, two thousand one. Mm. I get chills just just talking about it. Uh, myself and another trooper who is still on the job, except he is a uh, assistant bear commander right now. Uh, we're working speed enforcement, Interstate 95, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and uh, we're working a tag team. And uh, he stopped the car for speeding, ran the guy. Everything come back okay, let him go. Two days later, September 11th happened. Mm. Don't think anything of it. FBI shows up at our barrack. And calls this trooper in. And they want the video camera, the videotape out of his car, and his ticket book. He stopped one of the terrorists. Jesus. Oh, shit. No way. Yes. Shut up. Yep. He stopped, he stopped one of the terrorists for speeding. And uh, they found a rental car abandoned in, uh, I think, the New Jersey airport. There was a rental car involved. And they found his ticket in the glove box. And it was one of the terrorists that was on the plane that went down to Pennsylvania. Wow. That's insane. Isn't that incredible? What? Stop, stop the terrorists for speeding. And he ran every check he could on him. Couldn't get nothing. 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 And wow. he, 
he said that the trooper said, my buddy said that the guy wasn't nervous or anything. Just lay back. Yeah. There you go, sir. I guess he, he knew he didn't have to pay it. He knew what was happening. He knew he wasn't going to be here too much you know? longer. Yep. Wow. Yep. But the, the FBI took his ticket book because they wanted to fingerprint it. Because right. back then, you had to sign your ticket. So we would actually hand them our ticket book. They would hold the ticket book and sign it. And then we'd tear off, you know, three right. copies, whatever, hand it to them. And, uh, yeah, they, they found the, the ticket. The, the ticket number. And wanted that book. Yep. Yep. Wow. You've been saving that one, bro. You yeah, that was <laughs> that, that, that was that the diamond right there. That hit my heart right there, bro. That's that was, the, the cherry on yeah, top. Yeah, you've been saving it. Like I've you know, wow. I've known this guy for a minute, man. So these other wow. ones I've heard, but this one, Jesus yeah, that was Christ. fresh. And it's just Jesus. I you know, that trooper, I have so much respect for. I mean, he's a uh, he was a Marine. Mm. Uh he's got a beautiful family. Uh he was in K9. He he made some awesome stops in his career. And it's like I I to put myself in his shoes and to live with knowing that yeah, just knowing how I would feel that I had that guy in my hands. Right. You know, Sucks. I mean, but you don't know, you, you don't know you investigate as much as you can. Absolutely. You get what you can out of that stop. Yep. Everything law. you can, yep. Yep. you law. couldn't detain him for no reason. You don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. No. Nope. Right. Okay. Nope. But yeah. Wow. Yep. Never talked to him about it. But that, That's but. like the DC snipers. They got caught because they got a Baltimore city, um, Citizen contact form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trucker ended up finding him. And that was one of the scariest details I was on. Cause I, bet. I was driving down. I, I only had to go down twice, but I had to go down Montgomery County for two eight hour shifts and sit in a marked car in a parking lot of elementary school mm. and hope I didn't get shot. Right. But we were there looking for the, the DC sniper. sniper. Yep. Yeah. This job, boy, let me tell, you. tell you. Yep. But, you know, how many people can say they, they, done what you've done or what you've done in your career what you've done you know absolutely i'm just i'm just thankful that i'm still here absolutely you know I, I'm, I'm a can two-time cancer survivor i survived wow. i survived the state police fuck cancer two divorces <laughs> right two divorces so hey I, every day i can wake up and put my feet on the floor i'm and keep it trucking yep yo this is the diamond episode bro oh, i don't know about diamond that. triple c I ain't got enough. I appreciate money. you guys having me on. No, no, no. We appreciate you. Tripsy, can you? I got something special for him, yeah, bro, because I've been waiting to play this uh, song. Yeah, but just play it, please. Please, just please. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I got nothing more to say. The, the, the mic is hot. He said it all. It's on fire. He said it all. It, listen, there's nothing more to say. What stories? Amazing, amazing. Would you, I, would you mind coming back? I'll come back. Absolutely. Please come back. Because I, I know you got more stories. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't know. I have, to, I have to go back in my way back box to. It'll come out. But, ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 46. I'd like to thank my brother Trooper Ray for coming through, displaying phenomenal storytelling of the real life things that we go through in law enforcement. It don't get no better than tonight. From on the road. That's the different perspective from the highway. From the highway patrol. The most infamous, most famous corridor yeah. for drug trafficking. For, 95, baby. For if you want to go to Disneyland, for right. everything happy, everything sad. What's up? Wow. And with that being said, it's episode 46. We love you. We appreciate you. Keep tuning in. Dre, you got anything? 
Shout out to uh, T. Brax, MSP. He was around when, yeah, when, our brother, when our brother got hit. Absolutely. He was around. Triple C. Yo, shout out to everybody out there. Shout out to our guy, Caribbean Tiger, man. One love to you. You Absolutely. know we've been texting, man. You know we love you. Can't, you know, wait, can't wait till you get back on your feet. Absolutely. All right. Everybody be safe. Peace and love. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed on the Silverback Podcast are those of the hosts, producers, and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the federal, state, or local government. This includes, but not exclusive to, the Department of Defense and or the Baltimore City Police Department.